Hello, Chris Evans here, and welcome once again to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, acting powerhouse Paddy Considine reveals all about his journey to Westeros in Sky Atlantic's super-sizzling hot Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. The awesome Ella Mills gets our tummies rumbling with mouth-watering recipes from her new book, How to Go Plant-Based. Insightful writer Bruce Daisley discusses his wonderful new book, Fortitude, Unlocking the Secrets of Inner Strength. And top New York doc, Dr. Tracy Dennis Tawari, tells us how to shake off the blues in her amazing book, Future Tense, Why Anxiety is Good for You, Even Though It Feels Bad. All of that and so much more to come, so Jack, kick things off and tell us who's first. Actors are always looking for job security, so this next guest thought he could get it by being part of the most bloodthirsty franchise of all time. He stars as King Viserys in HBO's House of the Dragon, which is out now on Sky Atlantic and now TV. Dragons, betrayal and murder. Will he survive his time? He's your favourite actor's favourite actor, it's Paddy Considine! Good morning, Paddy! Morning, Chris, how you doing? Very good, welcome to the top of the tower, congratulations. Congratulations. How does it feel? It's very, very... I'm very relieved that it's gone out now and it's finally out in the world and it's done what it did. It had an amazing weekend, so I'm just relieved that it's been a success. So, I mean, this is um, the mega series of all mega series thus far and for it to be the prequel uh, to the Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones, um, which was just... It couldn't have been any bigger, really. I mean, the pressure was on. Yeah, it definitely was. But I, I remember reading the first three episodes when they sent it me, and, and there's a lot of spin-offs, a lot of franchises and things like that. And when I read it, well, one of the things I really loved about it was that it didn't feel like any of those things. It felt like, a, even though it was a prequel, it felt like an extension of the of the first one. Well, look at this. Uh, here's just some of the reviews. The Times, five stars, an instant classic, says The Telegraph, The Guardian, a roaring success, The Independent, bigger, bolder, and even bloodier than Game of Thrones. Who thought that was possible? The Mail, what marks out this lavish serial conceived as a prequel to Game of Thrones is its radically different treatment of women. They're the real power in the kingdom. And uh, the amazing reviews worldwide go on and on. The Los Angeles Times, the exchange between mother and daughter, the artful contrast of Julie Knights and dutiful midwives are powerful enough on their own to render the first episode a smashing success. Entertainment Weekly, nearly every dialogue scene is about succession. An early tangent veers into naval warfare. The climactic skirmish is ridiculous on a strategic level and Gorgeous. What, what can I say? What I can know. I answer that? Congratulations to you and everybody. There's always trepidation with anything new, especially in this business, because it, it can so easily go one way or another. But when the reviews and the reaction, and you know, HBO's um, debut hour was the biggest ever, bearing in mind, you know, HBO is the home of the Sopranos and Kirby enthusiasm and succession, yeah. the biggest launch ever. Ever. Yet still, you don't know until it happens. No, you haven't got a clue. You've no idea. It could have easily gone the other way. And, you know, so many shows have recently. I don't want to name them, but, you know, they, they sort of somehow managed to alienate their core audience. And, you know, Game of Thrones is something that I think because this has stayed true to it and it's from George's source material as well. I think that uh, that kind of fandom have really taken to it as well. And it's just great drama. There's lots of great hair. In this show. Yes. Um, tell us about 
the hair and makeup aspect of, of this kind of thing? Well, I tried to, you know, the Targaryen's got this beautiful golden hair, yeah. almost silvery hair. It's their signature hair, it, isn't it's it? It's a massive signature. And early on, when I first got cast, I thought, I'm going to look ridiculous. I'm going to look <laughs> like I'm in an 80s hair metal band. And I'm going, I'm not sure about it. So I tried to get out of it and say, what if he's, he's different and he's got his shaved hair and he's and trying to make it all cool? And it was like, no, you're not getting out of it. But the process of the hair is, is a massive thing because... They have swatches of hair, they hold them up to you, they've got to get the tone right, otherwise it looks green or it looks too yellow, and I didn't realise it was such a big deal. It's a massive deal. And they're it? so expensive. that Those wigs are thousands of pounds. So when I start, one day started to just pull it off my head at the no, end... No, 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 Paddy, Paddy, that's more than you're worth. But when I got all the gear on and the hair, I thought, yeah, I think I like the feel of this, this is all what right. Is it, what is it like when you inhabit such a sort of fantasy fictional character that is so extreme? You know, is it is it bordering on um, farcical if, you, if you're not in the right frame of mind? What, the uh, the sort of acting and yeah, things no, like just, that? No, just you... Because, you, 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 I mean, talk, you know, there's wardrobe and there's hair and makeup, then there's this yeah. show, isn't there? Well, I think you have to treat the material like you would any other material. You know, I took it, not I won't say seriously, but I really respectfully. I yeah, took yeah. the material respectfully and the clothes are just clothes. It's still up to you to do the, the work and make the performance convincing and, and as truthful as you possibly can. And because it's so cinematically epic, uh, which it is, and it's so, so glorious, you know, it, it falls more on screenplay than script, doesn't it? There's a lot of, of non-verbal acting going on. Yeah, So, but we have to make sure, that was our job as actors, was to make sure that we protected that and made sure that the scenes were authentic enough because y you can have dragons and kingdoms and massive shots and explosions but if if our relationships aren't authentic then yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it works as well because it's got to be human first and everything else second yeah. hasn't it and then it works brilliantly yeah no and it does work brilliantly you know fantasy fiction is not my thing it, it, it just isn't but i thoroughly enjoyed watching it yesterday afternoon i thought it was absolutely awesome and now when you when you you and your fellow actors when you enter you know the, the stadia of, of of the games as it were or the big temples or the big palaces or the castles you know how how, uh, how much of it exists in real life? Well, I was lucky because you you see those old like you know footage from the old Star Wars. Well, the relatively new Star Wars, the prequels, and they're just acting on nothing but green yeah. screen. Which must be so tough. And that's got to be difficult. Yeah. But we were on sets all the time, so the the green screen that I worked around was very very minimal. So we were actually in a massive council chamber. The, this, the, the Red Keep set was massive. It, it's like this building. It just went on and on. And Where was so, it? In Leavesden. Right. On and a massive stage there. I can't... Because when I get near films, I just get extraordinarily excited. Yeah. And although digital, um, you know, technology has given us things that we could never have imagined before, let alone hope to watch on screen within our lifetime, there's nothing more exciting than get, getting close to a massive film set. Yeah, this is the first set of its kind that I've ever been on, that I've actually walked on and everything down to the cutlery you use, which was useless, by the way. But it's all it's all <laughs> authentic. It's all it's all kind of real. And when I first saw the throne room for the, you know, when I first went in there and saw that, that was quite a moment for me as well. Paddy, good luck with everything. Thank you. Congratulations Chris. on this. And if you want to watch the next five episodes, we've all been sent the secret link. So come, oh, have you come round to us? I'll come and watch it with you. <laughs> yeah, great. Thanks, Chris. House of the Dragon available to watch now on Sky Atlantic and that is the amazing Paddy Considine who's graced us with his presence this morning. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. 
Plants really are the best. They can make medicines and brighten up any room they are in. Now show me a rasher of bacon which can do that. Our next guest's new book, How to Go Plant-Based, A Definitive Guide for You and Your Family, is out now. Her plant-based recipes are so yummy, your taste buds will get the chills. So please welcome the deliciously delightful Ella Mills. Good morning, Ella Mills. Good morning. That was the best introduction of yes, my life. Yes, yes. Well done, Jack. Well done, Jack. Okay, hit the ground running there. Uh, 22 to 10. Uh, lots to get through. What a great book. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate that. Such a simple message. But, you know, somebody had to write this book uh, and you have done How to Go Plant-Based, a definitive guide for you and your family if you fancy it. And you don't have to go completely plant-based, uh, but you might want to think about um, just introducing more plants into your diet. Why might that be, Ella? Yeah, it's a great question. So what I've seen is since I started Delicious Yellow 10 years ago, almost 50% of the country are dabbling in plant-based whether that's just flexitarianism trying to do meat-free monday but having the answers to all the questions you know where do you get protein from what about calcium what about my children a crazy stat 60 percent of kids in the uk are either vegan vegetarian or would like to be um and so we get a lot of parents coming in and so i just felt there was space to make it easy for people make it very everyday recipes so one pan one tray midweek meals being really conscious of costs as well but then also we worked with seven different nhs doctors dietitians pediatric dietitian nutritionists and a psychologist to actually answer all the questions which is why i called it a definitive guide because it's kind of got everything yeah and you're very wise to flank yourself with those experts aren't you so congratulations well done i mean there's 70 odd pages of uh, information and and story and narrative before we get into the recipes it's a great read it's so cool super cool um uh, you've got your top 10 faqs about um uh, being plant-based the number one question we get asked all the time is where do you get your protein i know it is the most asked question uh, but what is the answer yeah it is the most asked question because i I think is a big myth around it there's so many sources whether that's tofu or um, edamame any kind of source of soy all your beans your lentils your chickpeas so things like hummus as a result as well your nuts and seeds peanut butter um, everyone's favorite food or tahini and um, which is absolutely delicious as well so it, it is quite easy and like of the dishes we bought in today for example with the one pan orzone butter bean tray bake that's got peas and butter beans in so loads of protein or the herby butter bean dip it's quite easy but i i do understand there's this misconception and this nervousness about it and i think we also have like this quite strange deep-rooted fear of not getting enough protein um in society and almost no one in the western world is deficient in protein whereas most of us are very deficient in fiber so it's probably not and the right kind of fiber because there's lots of different fibers in there yeah so we're eating almost like just barely over 50 percent the fiber we need and it's so important for our gut health and and obviously gut health such a big topic at the moment but it has such a huge impact on our physical and our mental health and and fiber can be delicious if you kind of learn to make veggies taste amazing um um, which I certainly did not know how to do when I started this. Right, have you seen my film um, with Eli yesterday? I have, I watched it this morning. <laughs> it is brilliant. Did has... you realise what we'd done wrong? <laughs> oh no, I didn't. I wasn't that eagle eye. All right, so so the recipe we picked was the tomato. Is it the heritage tomato? Heritage tomato spaghetti. Yeah. And it's awesome because we've made it and it's gorgeous and we brought some in for you today. Uh, but we went shopping first, which is the first part of the video. It's a two-part video on Instagram. But we went shopping for a, a shopping list that was my wife's shopping list from another recipe from your book. So we, got all the, we bought all the wrong ingredients. But 
but we had the ingredients anyway to make the dish. Yeah, it's a very simple dish, isn't it? It's so, it's so gorgeous. It's so tasty. It's so flavoursome. Yeah, so we did four seasonal bolognese because yeah. it's, as you said, yes. you're cooking it with your kids. It's just such an easy um, family fun, dish. Fun, fun. Yeah, to exactly. Do. I find with my kids, certainly getting them involved in the cooking also makes them much more curious to try new things. Um, but the one you made, yeah, as you said, so straightforward. You're just frying garlic, some sun-dried tomatoes, loads of fresh seasonal tomatoes. And also what we're doing is we are roasting our own cashew nuts as exactly. well. Now, I learned something. I didn't realise because I'm stupid. Um, that, that, of course, that's how, you, that's how you get your roasted nuts anyway. And you can just roast any nuts you want in a pan and then do anything you want with them whilst in the pan or afterwards. Yeah, and they give loads of flavour and texture. And you don't have to put any oil in. You just literally hot roast... The, yeah, there's the toast. Lo- you toast or roast. Exactly, because there's loads of oil already in the nuts as well, so you, they don't really need it. What have you brought in for us today? It looks gorgeous, by the way. Okay, so I've brought three things in for you. I've got a herby butterbean dip. That takes about five oh. minutes to make. It's got rosemary, thyme, um, parsley, butterbeans, um, and then you fry up some garlic and olive oil with the rosemary just to it really right. infuse the flavour. How do you get yours to look silky smooth like that, Ella? I mean, obviously you're Ella, uh, so, so this it's is just a good in blender. your DNA. It's just a good blender. I literally did it in a Nutribullet, so Looks don't like need anything fancy. Looks like a work of art. How many Nutribullets have exploded on you? By the way, that's it. I think they're great products, but you, you can... you can. Yeah, don't put anything piping hot no. in there. Um, that's a dangerous game. Yep. And then I've made just some very, very simple cookies, which I managed to hide from my toddlers, which was a very proud moment because they would have eaten them oh, all for breakfast. And what's this here? And then that is my number one dish that I've made from the book. I've been cooking it pretty much every week for a year now. It takes... 20 minutes, one pan, and it's just a veggie, orzo, and butter bean. Um, My wife cooks that once a week for us. Um, it makes life so easy, doesn't it? And it gets it? better as it gets stickier and colder over, it's a over great literally pack lunch. over 24 hours as well. Exactly. And you cook, um, so you literally just chuck in um, red onion, normal onion, garlic, and then orzo, coconut milk, veggie stock. Pop the lid on, it will simmer away, and then you just add the butter beans, peas basil and tomatoes so again it's all kind of normal normal simple, easy ingredients simple simple exactly ellie you're awesome no thank you so no, much for oh having my goodness me. me you're amazing how to go plant-based a definitive guide for you and your family ella mills founder of deliciously ella you can be found on instagram at yeah instagram at deliciously ella okay so how many followers how many followers do you have yeah there it's 2.1 million so, so, so quite a lot uh, so you're catching up to me gently <laughs> He wished. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He has a number one best-selling book and a number one podcast, so it wouldn't surprise me if he became number one at doing these intros. Our next guest's new book, Fortitude, Unlocking the Secrets of Inner Strength, is out tomorrow. He is a man so talented, he could probably outplay Chris in the ukulele. So make sure to eat, sleep, listen and repeat for the incredible Bruce. Daisy! Morning, Bruce. Morning. Hello so, there. It was only ukulele you could think that ran with Daisley. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was, that was a good effort, I think. Uh, Bruce, welcome to the show. Uh, so much. you already have uh, an amazing uh, bestseller, a new uh, 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 global bestseller, The Joy of Work, under your belt. Can you just give us a praise of that before we move on to this one? Yeah, that book really was about trying to create better workplace cultures, and specifically from the perspective that you might not be the boss somewhere, but even then... I. It, 
that book was about trying to make your workplace culture more enjoyable. And I was inspired by, I went into one company and the receptionist had changed the culture. And she told everyone, she said to everyone when she'd been there, she was one of those resting actors. So she was working as a receptionist between jobs. And she said, you know, I have to tell you guys, this is the worst culture I've ever worked in. And one Thursday, she went out when they're all in the office all the time. She went out and she bought uh, three tubes of Pringles, three bags of kettle chips. She laid them all out on paper plates, 4.30 on a Thursday. And she said, ladies and gentlemen, it's the best time of week. It's crisp Thursday. And she changed the culture because people started saying that was the highlight of the week. And firstly, I was really inspired that you don't have to be the boss to make it better around here. But secondly, just those little interventions. How can any of us, when we like our jobs, our lives feel better. We we moan less to our partners, and it's about trying to get that balance. Yeah, and also you you get you you you. It's easy to access flow because you're more relaxed. Um, you know, all, all your creative juices are available to you, and the big boys they know about all this don't they the facebook's and the googles i mean they pay lots of money for people to do this on a regular basis within their environments yeah well my background was actually i worked in those firms and and so when i got the opportunity to go and work at one of the big tech firms i was convinced like twitter yeah well i worked at google before that so if you go online and you search best places to work you won't be in hindsight surprised to hear that google always comes up as the best place to work so i was thinking i'm going into willy wonka's chocolate factory i'm going to see the the very best and it just wasn't like that at all it was no in fact it was significantly worse to not worse i don't want to be mean about it but it was it didn't have this incredible energized culture that so that's you can't a myth it. it's a myth really? and what they're very good at those firms they're very good at making creating all these little fragments of excitement from when people go there there's a meeting room that looks like the Starship Enterprise. So you get your phone out your pocket, you take a photo of it, you post it to your social media, and people go, wow, it must be incredible to work there. No, it's just staging. It's just, um, they're just very good at projecting this image. Free food, a wall of jelly beans. They're just pro- good at projecting it. So when I then went to work at Twitter, I was like, hang on, I was hoodwinked a bit before. Can I try to create the good culture that I dreamed of, I want to be part of? And so... To some extent, the book came from, firstly, the old book came from when I first tried to do that and it went relatively well. And then it went spectacularly wrong. The wheels fell off. There were people crying in the toilets. After a while, they weren't even going to the toilets. They were just crying at their desks. And I was like, okay, well, I I need to work out then how I can, how, if, if workplace culture can be influenced by any of us, how can we make it better? So I was just obsessed with that, really. All right, beautiful. Uh, so um, the sort of second tenet of this particular suspension bridge is this next book, uh, Fortitude, Unlocking the Secrets of Inner Strength. Now, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan. It's not been a great week. We got beat by Man United after they were beaten by Bre- uh, Brentford and Brighton. Uh, so let, let's have a bit of Jurgen Klopp gold uh, because he features in your, um, in your book because he's a maestro of getting things right in the workplace. Yeah. And he sort of transcends sport, doesn't he? You know, my mum knows who Jurgen Klopp is. People who don't know anything about football know that this smiling guy from the news just seems to be this beacon of warmth of this radiance. And the one thing that was really interesting about him, when he was at his last club, a club in Germany, he told the people who organised it, he said, we've got to move from this sense of me to this sense of we. Really interesting, because what you find, so the whole book's about resilience, and resilience has got so much hokum talked about it. It's got so much... of babble talked about it that is often 
you know, no one, I, I think I say in the book, never in the history of resilience has anyone been more resilient by being told to be more resilient. But it's like people come round and say you need to be more resilient. And you feel like, hang on, am I going to be more resilient? I don't feel. And, and Jurgen Klopp knows, seems to know that resilience is the strength that we draw from each other. You know, it's the strength that other people em- embolden in us. And so he was like, OK, we need to arrange more team events. First thing he did when he became Liverpool manager is he learned everyone's name at their training ground, 100 people. Kit man, the, the dinner lady, learned all their names. He brought them all into the press conference room. All the players were sitting in the press seats and he introduced them one by one by name. He said, from now on, this is Beryl. From now on, this is Glenn. You know, he introduced them by name. He said, we are we here. And, and I think... That understanding, in fact, you were talking earlier about what Ten Hag, the Man United manager, did uh, about getting them, the players, the Man United players, to go for a run. And by him participating in it, it's such an important act of saying we're all in it together. All right, Bruce, one takeaway for everybody listening. You've got 30 seconds. Come on. Yeah, I think there's there's so much nonsense spoken about resilience, whether it's teenagers, whether it's at work, that we lose sight of it. And often we end up feeling responsible ourselves that we don't feel resilient because everyone else seems to be. And the secret of it is right before our very eyes. Resilience is the strength we give to each other. And I think the more we understand that, it makes us value our friendships. It makes us value the times we're around other people because we know that actually we're helping ourselves as well as having a really great laugh. Bruce, have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for your work. Bruce Daisley, Fortitude, Unlocking the Secrets of Inner Strength. Back tomorrow. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Vassar. Thank you. Goodbye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. We all have bad days, even bad years, but what if you could turn your super anxiety into a superpower? Well, our next guest book, Future Tense, Why Anxiety is Good for You, Even Though It Feels Bad, is out now. Sometimes it's good to be bad, even if the ideas scary well here to help us talk about it it's dr tracy dennis tawari tawari and scary almost there good morning how are you <laughs> good morning i'm wonderful uh, so tracy you've come over from new york with your family to yes. um amongst many other things appear at Carfest on oh, sunday afternoon thrilled. Can't wait. Oh, i can't wait either and so how's the jet lag it's it's brutal <laughs> uh i feel fuzzy uh yeah. but but ready uh, for Adjacent thinking. So when, that's a that's a superpower, right? They yeah. Say. And uh, if anybody can cope with this, it's you. Um, so when did you land? Uh, late. Uh, Monday, Monday evening. Right. So today's your worst day because third day. Is that the, how it works? Yeah. Well, I think so. I mean, depending on how many time zones you crossed, I I went from three hours. Uh, well, west you had of it you. harder from LA though. I mean, yeah. It was. Uh, and yeah, no. East is least and west is best. So it's, it's much <laughs> more difficult coming this way. We have lots of people giving us tips still on jet lag. Apparently, there's an app that you can download, which is uh, amazing. Anyway. Nothing's uh, worked for me. Nothing. I can't believe this is your first book because it's so good. Uh, Future Tense, Why Anxiety is Good for You, Even Though It Feels Bad. It's there for a reason. Yes. And it has to feel bad. And that's the thing. We take that bad feeling as a danger signal. We take it as a danger, as something that we should avoid, that we feel broken when mm. we feel anxious. But the fact is, it makes us sit up and pay attention and prepares us to deal with uncertainty. Things yeah. like exam results that come back. This yeah. is, unfortunately, the perfect day, I think, for us to be talking about anxiety. It and really everyone's is. going through a lot right now. It really is. And is, is it all bad as a society that we've talked it up by talking it down so much? I think what we've done, and I say this not to be flippant, but... Anxiety has a PR problem. 
Because when you believe that anxiety is dangerous, you're set up to do all the wrong things. So you avoid it, you suppress it, you, you fear it. And so you get in this vicious cycle where all of a sudden, the more you've tried to press something down, the more it pops up. Like, don't think of a white bear. <laughs> you're immediately, go and it works tenfold for uh, feelings that yeah. are difficult, like anxiety. It also keeps us from seeing that anxiety is actually this double-edged sword that we can leverage and use, and that makes us sharper and more focused and even more hopeful. But we don't talk about anxiety that way. Is it because it's been monetized? And, mm. and therefore, if you make something scary, you can therefore um, provide solutions that people have to pay for. I fear you, you may be right in that we mental health professionals are really guilty of this, maybe unintentionally, but it's become a predatory system, the sort of self-help, mental health, industrial complex yeah. uh, a bit. And, and so because you talk to people about their anxiety or you come with me like a message and say, no, you can do this. You know, you're not broken. And people say, no, no, I need my anxiety or you don't understand my anxiety. And it's true. No, I, no one can. But the more that we act or feel as if we're out of control or don't have options, yeah. the fewer options we'll have. So um, I didn't realize that I was anxious until a few years ago when I had um, been able to uh, meditate and give myself distance from my present feeling which was probably not being present ironically enough and therefore then I, because i had a uh, perspective i realized oh you don't have to i thought that was normal and and then i realized oh i i'm calm and still over here and then when i'm not anymore that must be what anxiety is and then from on continuing from that my journey today is when i wake up feeling anxious um then that is, a, is, is life doing me a favor because it's presenting with me with an on-off switch yeah. for me to remember to be um, uh, to show up for my own day, as it were. That's beautifully put because it's that distance that gives you the power to then figure out, oh, is this, do I need to be on or off? It's like a reminder. It's a reminder. It's, it's like you become an alchemist <laughs> of yeah. difficult emotions right? because you have that space. And anxiety is a wave. You ha it is pushing us forward. We have to ride it. So if we don't have that distance to say, okay, is it is it a, a helpful anxiety today? Is it something I just need to manage and do more meditation? Yeah. Or is it telling me I have this big radio discussion with this amazing person coming up, <laughs> and I might maybe I should you know do something to prep for it, or maybe or maybe just enjoy being in the moment. But it gives you when you can think of anxiety as information yeah. and preparation. Yeah, yeah. You can then use it instead of be used by it. And then every, you know and, and for that see everything. So if you have an awkward yeah. meeting or an awkward, you know, uh, confrontation or let's not be too dramatic about it or, you know, <laughs> so, something that isn't as smooth as you might like it to be. Yeah. Um, then as opposed to 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 um, boarding up the door, yeah. the batting down the hatches to that situation, uh, which basically is an opportunity for growth and experience um, and uh, furtherment and development, um, uh, what, we, what we should do is we should enter any situation as... An adventure because all life is such. It's a huge opportunity cost, right? Because all of a sudden we're shutting down because anxiety sent makes us into these mental time travelers into the future. Yeah. Something bad could happen, but something amazing could happen. Yeah. And you hold both those in your mind. And nothing great ever happened in the comfort zone. So the book we're talking about now is Tracy's book. It's called Future Tense. It's a brilliant book. This is the second time we've talked about it. We could talk about it forever. Future Tense, uh, why anxiety is good for you, even though it feels bad. We've got literally 30 seconds seconds left um, for somebody feeling anxious right now everyone is born anxious you're not broken it's a skill to build so lean in on it 
and start building those skills and it will make your life better. And tap it for the superpower that and it is. And tap it for the superpower. Okay, you're awesome. Thank you, Chris. Okay. So but great I have to you. say, that the lady who's with you, or the gentleman who's with you... Yes, uh, Matt Crosby. Matt, his daughter Fellow, Fleur is here, and she's got a GCSE results today, and apparently they are ridiculous. They may be the best in the country. Um, so well done and Amazing, and she's remarkable. And you know she got the results while they were waiting. We came over together, and they were waiting, and she is a champion. All Absolutely right. incredible. What is the um, US equivalent for a 13-year-old, which you have, of yes. the GCSEs? Nothing. We don't have to go through such things. We Americans <laughs> Another are... Another reason to move to California. <laughs> um, the list is getting ever longer. Rachel, thank you for your presence today. Thank you. Vassal, thank you too. Thank you. Tracy, thanks for being here. I'll see you at coffee. Thank you, Chris. Can't right. wait. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, we've heard from a bunch of incredible guests already, but still to come on this, the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast from Virgin Radio with our pals at Sky, we'll bring you all the goings on from Carfest South, including the awesome Kirsty Gallagher, Sky Sports F1's David Crofty Croft, and the one and only Mr. Rob Bryden. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave. Yes, you heard it right. Dapper Dave, who's next? Whether you're flying high like Max or your season is dead as a Ricardo like Daniel, you can't take your eyes off Formula One. That's right, the Belgian Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this weekend. And joining us down the line for a good old Belgian waffle is the one and only Crofty! <laughs> Morning, Crofty! Morning, everybody. Welcome back, Dapper Dave. I've missed you. See, we got him back, especially for you after the summer break, after the F1 summer break. Um, we flew him oh. all the way from Sweden. <laughs> well, he's I know we really did. Uh, th- yeah, this is Spa Fest Belgian branch this weekend. Very uh, good, say, Spa weather's, Fest. Yeah, very, weather's not as nice clever. as it is Spa Fest Hampshire today. A bit murky, bit misty, bit spa-like yeah. today. Well, there's still a ticket available if you want to buy one and come over here instead. I tell you what, as soon as FP2's done, I'm on a plane. I'm there. Come on, come on. Now, Crofty, I've sort of forgotten. I, you know I love my F1. Of course I do. But I've sort of forgotten, um, not voluntarily, just because it's the summer break, what's going on. Can you bring us all back up to date? Sky Sports F1, Belgian Grand Prix, first practice, 9.30 this morning on Sky Sports F1. It is back, back, back for part two. Yeah, so Max Verstappen, 80 points in the lead in the Drivers' Championship at the moment. Red Bull in the lead by 97 points. Max Verstappen has won three of the last four races. Uh, Ferrari have found a way probably to lose three of the last uh, four races. Um, they, the first half of the season, as Charles Leclerc put it yesterday, has been rather a challenge for Ferrari. But Sebastian Vettel once came back from a summer break and won nine races in a row. Uh, it can be done. Charles Leclerc probably needs to do that to beat Max Verstappen in the championship. Meanwhile, Mercedes are on a bit of a revival. Uh, they celebrate 55 years with AMG uh, this weekend. The AMG uh, uh, branch and uh, the brand, I should say. And the car's been decked out in red and silver uh, for this special race. Lewis Hamilton, five consecutive podium finishes. George Russell got pole in Hungary. Um, I think it's all to play for. There's been a bit of a tweak to the regular as well uh, and we are at one of the great racetracks so what is there not to love about motor racing and formula one this weekend yeah and as i say it's back 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 sky sports f1 from this morning and all weekend it's only live once in the race itself 2 p.m on sunday we'll be screening it here live at carfest on the big screens as we always do because the belgian grand prix always falls uh, on the same weekend as carfest south the big summer break news in f1 i think uh, although i've not you know we've not uh, conferred on this but i think you may agree with me is porsche coming back to f1 yeah, well, Porsche coming back to F1, um, it has yet to be confirmed, but we fully expect them to be providing engines to uh, uh, to Red Bull in the future. Big announcement coming up at Spa in about 20 minutes' time. 
where another German car manufacturer is going to announce its return back to Formula One as an engine uh, supplier and a tie-in. They won't announce this today, but a tie-in with Sauber for the future. Um, it's all embargoed. I can't say what that manufacturer is, but uh, uh, one of my favourite jokes in life, Chris, is the German cowboy who walks into a car showroom and says, Audi, I'll give you a clue there. Yeah, Vassus seems to know about this as well. By the way, great gag. Vassus, uh, over to you. Yeah, well, no, I just heard that Porsche and Audi were back in Formula One um, next season, season after, no, and, the, and I'm, not, I'm very excited about the dr- so season after. Yeah, well, no, the engine regulations change for 2026, and I think that's when we'll see uh, Hang on, these guys. Nerd alert! It's getting nerdy here. Sorry. Sorry. It's going on grey screen on us. Thank you very much indeed. Let's get back on track. Literally. Should we talk drivers? Should we talk driver movements? Yeah, instead? go on, Crofty. Interesting. Yeah. Look, so Fernando Alonso is going to Aston Martin next year. Who'd have thought that one? Probably not even Fernando Alonso uh, until the Thursday before the Hungarian Grand Prix when Sebastian Vettel announced his retirement. Um, Oscar Piastri was going to replace Fernando Alonso at Alpine. Alpine said he's going to be our driver. He's currently their reserve driver. Oscar Piastri said, no, I'm not driving for Alpine next season. No way, Jose. Um, we think he's off to McLaren to replace Danny Rick, who, well, let's not beat about the bush. He's been sacked uh, by McLaren. By the way, his car is at Carfest that he won uh, the Italian Grand Prix in last year. Uh, you can go and see Danny Rick's McLaren as uh, part of the display this weekend. Um, I think Danny Rick's not been treated very well by McLaren, quite frankly. He probably deserves a bit more time to put things right. Oscar Piastri's a bit of an unknown. He's under contract, say Alpine, to them. All a bit messy. That'll get decided on Monday. But it's been quite the summer for Formula One news. All right, let's talk about Spa again. Um, briefly, the um, the sort of motorcycle roller coaster that is Eau Rouge. Very famous, of course it is. Much more frightening and um, spellbinding in real life than you'll ever get on the telly, even with Sky Sports F1. Amazing coverage. I've never been there. Can you sort of frame it for us now on the radio? You've been skiing. Right, Chris. Yeah, you've, you've stood on an Alpine slope. Um, I've not been to the Alps, but I've been to the snow zone at Milton Keynes. It's a bit like that when you stand at the bottom of Eau Rouge. You're that's thinking so, it's that's uh... so crofty, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, listen, why, why go to France and Switzerland when you've got Milton Keynes on your doorstep? Um, this is a yeah, man Eau who Rouge. travels around the world all the time. Uh, like, literally every day he gets on the plane and goes like a couple of thousand miles. But if he wants to go skiing, he gets in the car and goes to Milton Keynes. <laughs> Seriously, it's an Alpine resort all to itself, and it's got a KFC nearby. Um, anyway, um, Eau Rouge, it's like a mountain slope, <laughs> if you, quite frankly. If you didn't think it could get more crofty, it just did. <laughs> Bring me the buckets. Bring me the buckets. Uh, what was I going to say? Eau Rouge, it's like a mountain Picture slope. Of health. <laughs> it's been reprofiled this year uh, to make the runoffs a little bit safer. There's a bit of a... A little less compression at the bottom um, uh, leading up to Radion at the top. But it's still fearsome. They've put some gravel traps in, which I quite like, to stop the cars going off the track quite so much as they have been doing uh, in Spa. It's changeable weather. It's brilliant corners. It's super fast straight. It's a packed house coming. Won't be the last Belgian Grand Prix. I think we'll be back here next year. But the uh, the future remains a bit in doubt. I love this place. I love watching racing here. Uh, and so will about 55,000 others as we have our very own Spa Fest this weekend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Bugfest Nick. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Chris. Let's hear it for Nick, everyone. Yay! First official live cheer of Carfest South. 
How are you, Nick? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me here. It's amazing. Now, can you confirm that the weather is more than fine and dry? The weather is absolutely glorious. It's sunny. There's blue sky as far as the eye can see. It's marvellous. It's magic. It's car fest. Sun shines on the Of course it is. Now, look, the kids love what you do. They do. They love the rock and roll. They love the cars, but they love Bugfest. Tell us about your little bug emporium in front of us. (laughs) Right, Okay. so I've brought a few little friends along uh, for you guys to meet. Okay. let's check them out. Come on, Vassas. Come on, Rachel. Right, so, uh, so let's start off with something nice and friendly. So what we've got here... <laughs> nice and well, hang on. <laughs> uh, when you say start with something friendly, where are we going to end? Why do they all have security guards if <laughs> yes. they're nice and friendly? <laughs> well, don't worry, they won't bite hard. What's that? What's that? Now, this is Big Bertha. She's an African millipede. Uh, she's roughly seven inches long. But these guys, they're amazing. Check out all those rings and all those... Yeah. Does she have she's a thousand feet? Okay. <laughs> she has... Does she have... So sorry. What does she have a thousand feet? She's uh, a millipede. Uh, no, actually, no, that's an interesting thing. Up until about two years ago, the maximum recorded was 750 legs. But uh, back just before all of the you know, pandemic and everything, they discovered a brand new species in Australia, 60 metres underground. The males have 1,000 legs. And the females, 1,300 legs. Of course we do. Yeah. Of course, where else? What well, you know? Listen, i got to say, if the producers of House of the Dragon had seen this African millipede, um, she, she would have been cast yeah. uh, first off the bat. I, I, I absolutely concur. Yeah, definitely. Look at this. She's right, amazing. Now, see, we haven't got long. We've already spent far too long on the African millipede. Because <laughs> it's all so interesting. I, th- I would cut to, cut to the chase here if I were you. Right. Okay. Gigantic stick insects. Everyone loves stick insects. Now, we all think of stick insects as these little green things that we eat. Yes, we do. At school. Ooh, uh-huh. They're not little, are there's they? There's around about 3,000 different kinds. Not right, come of them on. look like stick insects. Uh-huh. That's spiky McSpike face. Oh, I love it. So, yeah. so just describe what we're looking at here. You've done the thing where you've picked some foliage that the stick insects w- will, would make home, and we can't see them because of that, and that's why we find it intriguing. Right, then. Let's get this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> look how big that one is. I thought it's it was gigantic. I was looking for like small ones, you know, in between the branches. Yeah. Now, this oh, is, it's enormous! This is this is a jungle nymph. She's Gigantic. a beauty. That's what you said. Anyone got thick skin? You want to hold? This. I'll, I'll hold. Very prickly. Oh, she's gorgeous. Absolutely stunning. Who, who is this? So this is Heteropteryx dilatata, Malaysian jungle nymph. Can we call her Hetty. Yeah, Hetty, of course, absolutely. She does get that nickname actually. Um, I'm wonderful. Not a great starter pet for, for kids. But, but again, very House of the Dragony. It, it's oh, you wait until you see Lanky. <laughs> I'll get the sponsors in anyhow I can. Let me tell you. Wait until you see Lanky McLankface. Lanky McLankface. <laughs> How do you name them? This is, uh, is that his showbiz name? <laughs> this is her showbiz oh, name. Oh, I showbiz. thought that was a branch. What? So did I. So did I. You're doing that thing where you disguised everything. It's as like Stickman. That they're not. There we go. This oh, it's an actual so stickman. That is brilliant. A 14-inch stick insect from Vietnam. And she's a little bit leggy, and she'll throw herself about a bit. There we are. She's there. a long leg, <laughs> looking for a tree. She's a long leg, looking for the sea. But look closely at the look closely at the marking. She's mottled. She looks like she's got moss and lichen and all. That cryptic camouflage is just phenomenal. Corrective camouflage. Well, that's what we all need. <laughs> There's a phrase you don't that's hear every day. That's my makeup. How did you get your job? How did you become the bugman? Well, I, I kind of fell into it accidentally. I mean, my whole life has. Hang been... on, hang on. How can you fall into this accidentally? <laughs> well, literally, honestly, um, my whole life has been all been about natural history. Uh, you know, all of our generation, we grew up with like Johnny Morris and uh, Terry Nutkins and animal animal magic, etc. And that's all been all my childhood. Uh, 
oops, hang on, let's pop it back in there, um, obsession and fascination, and it's just led me to learn all about the world of natural history. Uh, I mean, I qualified as a teacher, and then I came out of teaching because this suddenly started lifting off. I mean, the first car fest we were here, uh, we've been at every car fest. I didn't know that. Every, yeah. So have I. <laughs> no really? Way. It's incredible. No way. Yeah. That's a coincidence. We should form a club. We should. We, the first car festers. No way, man. Thanks for being here, man. <laughs> Excellent. My pleasure. Do you want to see one thing before we go? Yeah, go on. The friendliest Goliath bird eater and one of the largest tarantulas in the world. Yeah, by the way, it doesn't mean it's friendly. It's just the friendliest Goliath bird eater. Not, not if bird? you're a bird, I would imagine. What sort of birds does it eat? Here's the irony, okay? Here's the irony. Bird-eating spiders don't eat birds. And birds that do eat spiders aren't called bird-eating spiders. Well, why is it called a bird-eating spider if it doesn't Good eat question, birds? Good question, Rachel. Well Thanks. done. Thanks, Chris. Spot the journalist Trained amongst us. Trained for years for this. There's, there's a very old um, Victorian-ish sort of um, engraving of a tarantula eating a bird. And then people go, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a bird-eating spider. And they went, oh, look, it's eating birds. It's a bird. It's very Eddie Izzard, that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, did, you, you should catch the Wild and Deadly show that I did last night on the early, big early years, sir. Yeah, Dick and Dom does Planet Earth 3, that's me. <laughs> People love what you do here. Thank you so much. I love being here. Thank you so much. This is an incredible me. thing, isn't it? When you think that we share a world with, with not just one species like that, but, you know millions and they share it with us we should get up every day and say to people who are, are doubting of this earth go find another planet there's there's magic and beauty to be found everywhere even in your back garden I mean. <laughs> even in my back <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know i mean we share the earth with um many quintillion other earthlings and i mean like the big and the small us the mini beasts you know there's more insects alone than grains of sand on all the beaches put together yeah. and, and you know on a day like today when it's fine and dry beautiful <laughs> beautiful <laughs> right rock and roll to the news headlines thank you nick the bugman the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From Gavin and Stacey to the trip, he never fails to deliver. And this weekend at Carfest is no different. He'll be entertaining the masses all weekend. So please welcome a man of many talents, a man of many voices, but currently a man of only one spectacular goatee. It's Rob Ryder! Yeah, Rob Ryder is here! Rob Ryder's in the house. And that is a genuine cheer from this massive... Oh, you always get the cheer volume going on. They like you, don't they, Rob? How exciting is this? Now, here's the thing. Dave mentioned the goatee. Yes. I have to explain. I've got a ludicrous goatee beard. I don't think this is a good look. This is for a part, okay? This is not my choice. And I want everybody to know. I don't... Did you Rob Brydon? What's he done to his chin? I don't think this is a good look, Chris. I... Well, first of all, I do. Does everybody else think it's a great look? You don't have to pretend it's for a part. <laughs> I look like I'm auditioning for Richard Hammond the musical. <laughs> Richard Hammond or maybe... Or Al Pacino. Oh, what do you got? Is that Al Pacino doing an impression of Tom Jones? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Godfather came to my house. I couldn't believe it. Huh. <laughs> Could you give us Al Pacino a singing Delilah? <laughs> I saw the light on the night that I passed by her window. If you give us Michael Caine's <laughs> Delilah. I saw the light on the night that I passed by her window. She stood there laughing. I could not believe it after all we've been through. I'm doing Michael Caine. 
he's awesome. Uh, Rob Brydon is awesome. Rob, you're also going to be singing this weekend. By the way, congratulations on the, the tour that's just finished here in the UK. Thank you, yes. Yes, we were the band, eight-piece band. We went all around Britain. We did two nights at the Palladium. It was a sort of leap of faith for me because I'd never... Uh, had done a show with a band before and when you're a comedian you say hey I'm gonna sing I think people can raise their eyebrows and what have you but it went really well and um, yeah it was an absolute but you've sung here before and you really you really can um, uh, knock out the odd tune or two and so you sing with a super group I know you're doing something special Uh, should should we tell the people at home what that might be well you know you say I'm singing and I uh, this may be a disappointment or a delight but it's not actually me A, a few years ago I was at the Porthcall Elvis Festival and I saw a young act there he's not that young and he was doing Elvis his name is uh, Terry Jenkins and he is one of the finest Elvis impersonators and I've started managing him so I've asked him to come and it's of emotional relevance because that performance I think it was 2015 was the last time he performed as Elvis he was on stage and he saw his wife at the back of the room canoodling with a younger Elvis and it and it well no it was with a, with I a, didn't expect this from with, a, with a GI period this is Elvis very unlike you with a GI period Elvis yes. and, it, and it threw him and he had a full breakdown right and this car fest is going to be his first performance as Elvis since night since 2015 okay well I can't wait and I'm just his manager I, I just yes do the of course you, now I get it now are you I with me Chris are you see where I'm going it. yeah this is very um, what's his name uh, this is very Harry Bumfries no not Harry no uh, not Harry Bumfries it's very um, um, uh, Candy Orfman oh, no he used to be in taxi Ta- Gandhi Kaufman Kevin Andy Candy Kaufman C- Candy Orfman yeah that's what it yeah, is yeah. okay let's go through car fest now uh, from your point of view, okay. So if you were, let's. So we got car fest, we got spa fest, we got star fest, we got guitar fest, we got bar fest, we got food fest, we got kids fest. All right. So let's let's visit each one of those sort of satellites from uh, you know and the burning sun that is car fest itself from a Rob Brydon point of view. So let's go first of all car fest. Rob Brydon and cars. I love cars, but I don't have a deep knowledge. I'm not a petrol head. I have friends who are and who collect. I don't collect cars. I've got a nice car. But coming here is perfect for me because I can dip my toes into the world of cars. And we've got some nice cars Beautiful there. cars. My favorite car, a Mercedes 190 SL. Nice. Are there any of those here? Yes, there is. There is really? One. There's actually one for sale as well in an auction this weekend. If you fancy really? one, yeah. Hmm. Um, so, so why the 190 over the 230 then? I've always liked it. I just like the shape, and then I just. But it's the same shape. The 230 is the same well, shape. Well, I don't know. It's got no, a bigger I've engine. A it goes faster, head. slightly better. Oh, so it's a better version of yes, it. Yes, it's a better version. But more expensive. Your 300 SLs, even you know that, that's the top of the shot, mate. See, I'm 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 out now because I don't. I just uh, know out. I like. He's the out, Mercedes everybody. He was, a, he was against you all, but the room has won. All, all right. right, so the 190 SL. Yeah, Elvis drove it in uh, GI Blues. Did he? It's all about Elvis, isn't it? It's it all comes, all comes back, back to, to Elvis in the end, doesn't it? Okay, if Elvis were to sing Delilah. Yeah. It depends if it's, a, if it's a young Elvis. If it's a young Elvis, right, it would be... Or an uncertain Elvis. Oh, no, yeah. If it was a young Elvis, it would be very high. Be, well, I saw the light on a night that... It, but when you're doing a young Elvis, you got to be very careful 
that you don't start doing Bill Clinton. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, happens to us all. I did not have relations. Okay, so let's say, so we've done Carfest. What about Barfest? What about your f- favorite drink? You, you're not, not a big drinker. I'm not a big drinker. But you do like, you do like the orange. But I'm a, but I'm a heavy drinker. No. <laughs> I have what's, known as, I have what's known as a drink problem. Um, okay. No, I'm not a big drinker. I Rosé. Rosé o'clock like. last night, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I like I like Rosé, but it's a bit like a fruit juice, isn't it, Chris? A Rosé. Yeah, you got to be careful with the Rosé. You've got to be, you've got to have the water on the side with it. Yeah, I like a Rosé spritzer. What's that? It's just a, a bit of sparkling water in a rosé. Loads of ice in it as well. Nice. B- bigger glass. Bigger glass. Take your time with it. I So so for me, the, and also because I'm performing here, or I'm managing the a performer, performer here, yes, of I can't just go with gay abandon, no. Chris, and no. drink whatever I want whenever I want. No, you don't want to be doing that. Okay, so we've done bar for Food Fest. How are you oh, with food? Oh, love food. Love food. And the food here is is terrific. Uh, Rob, you did, of course, <laughs> enjoy a duet with Sophie Ellis Spectra a few years ago. Yes. Yeah, we did. Uh, we sang Islands in the Screen together. And we stream have together. it now as a play, that recording. Really? Yeah, that All right. Here we go. This is Rob Brydon. Sophie Ellis Bexter from 2018, Islands in the Stream, Carfest. Come on, walk around. Baby, when I met you, there was peace unknown. I set up to get you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Whether you can feel a waning crescent or you don't know your waxing gibbous from your waning gibbous, our next guest has all the answers. She's spreading the moon love at Carfest this weekend, so with a new moon upon us today, please put your hands together for the always crystal clear, Kirsty Gallagher! Kirsty Gallagher! <laughs> Hi, Kirsty. Good morning. Good morning. So tell us, it feels like there's something new going on. It feels like some kind of rebooting fresh start. What's going on tomorrow? with Mother Moon. We have a new moon tomorrow morning. Right. So 9.17am tomorrow morning, we've got the Virgo new moon. Now, the Virgo new moon is a really amazing moon because it asks us to take everything we've been through over summer and we get like really distracted over summer. We're here, there and everywhere. We put things to one side. We know we want to make changes and do things, but we're too busy. So the Virgo moon comes in now to take us kind of into autumn and to help us to plan what changes we want to make, how we want to move forward. It's like a back-to-school moon that helps us to really kind of go... Kids, how do you feel about the back-to-school moon? <laughs> it's maybe the she's wrong just, thing she's to lost say. The Didn't you hate those those shops like Burton's Outfitters? Yeah. Uh, you know, like mid-August, back-to-school. It's like, no, yes, thank yes, you very yes, much. Yes. Not interested. The adults might be on my side, though, with the back-to-school. By the way, Clarks bit. are never busier than this week, are they, in the high street? Um, Right, so uh, Rob has very... Co- Rob Bryden co-hosting the show this morning. He's very, he's very confidently set his research notes to one side. There's not much I don't know about the moon. Oh. Who was it who said, let's go for a little walk? <laughs> Under the moon of love. I think it was Shawadi Wadi, Chris. Shawadi Wadi. And those words have never been more pertinent than now. Now, Now, this Virgo moon, let Mm. me ask you this. I'm not a full believer in all things horoscopy. Wait till the end of this weekend. Uh, Oh. Oh, things are looking up. I, I think I've got him halfway over the bridge. Yeah, ah, yeah. Welcome to the 1970s, I say. Um, no, but Virgo is interesting because I find, and tell me what you think about this, a lot of my very closest friends mm. just happen to be Virgoans. Yeah. What's happening there? I'd have to take you a bit deeper into astrology there, but we'll have a look at your chart later because what you normally find is depending on certain aspects in your birth chart, you tend to draw those kind of people to you. Is that really true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. We'll look We'll look later. Well, I haven't said I'll show you my chart, but... Uh... <laughs> 
presumptuous. I, I was a little there. presumptuous there, wasn't I? Yeah, you just I, met. You. She has to meet you where you are. This is true. Oh. <laughs> she really does. Now it's very early to be <laughs> profound. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. That's How about that one? Eh? How about that one? What you're looking for is where you're looking from. The journey begins, Luke, with one small step. I'm doing Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Have you seen the new Disney Star Wars um, TV show? Uh, I've seen the Elvis film. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Welcome to Wrexham? Oh, no, but I hear it's good. <laughs> yeah, I hear it's very good. And I've been to Wrexham, so I've almost seen it. Yeah. Uh, so, Kirsty, uh, Rob is also... He, he recommended meditation to Lee Mack, right? <laughs> uh, more than tentatively. And then Lee took it upon himself to, to, to start practising. And now Lee's like this sort of grand zen master. And oh, he's, he's left, he's left uh, Rob in the shadows. I just can't... <laughs> I can't focus enough, Kirsty. I mean, Lee is, Lee is levitating. I mean, it's incredible. What can I do? But this is why you need more Virgo. Because Virgo teaches you about being present, about being grounded. Virgo teaches us about those little daily actions we can put in place. So if you want to meditate, what you need to be doing is doing a little bit of meditation every day. You're never going to get to that place where you can suddenly do 20 minutes uninterrupted. So Virgo is all about daily rituals, daily routines. How much of a problem then mm -hmm. is it that I have no routine in my life? Because, you know, Chris does the show every mm -hmm. day as a set routine. I'm a wandering minstrel, a troubadour. <laughs> I, I travel, from, I'm, I'm a roustabout, as Elvis said, drifting oh, from I town love to town. A no job can hold me down. <laughs> I'm just a runaround guy. There's a lot of space beneath that sky. So for me, it's quite hard to get any kind of rhythm going. But you could create that for yourself. And that's what this moon asks us. So the intentions that we're going to set tomorrow, the Virgo moon says to us, what are you spending all of your time, energy and attention on? And is it good for you and serving you? And how can you begin to put little daily practices, rituals and routines in place that are going to help ground you and take you closer to where you want to go? Well, so this might be a it good was a good answer. I think it's worth a round of applause. That was a, that was a great response. It's a somewhat farcical question. <laughs> farcical? How dare you? How dare you? It was, a, it was a genuine question, but it is true that, that I don't have... I think if you do have a routine, you can say, mm. right, well, I know that every day at this time I'm in this place, so I will do this thing. But what a routine, especially meditation, helps us to do is to show up for ourselves. Mm. Because very often we're outside of ourselves, we abandon ourselves, we lose ourselves, we run 10 steps ahead of ourselves or stay 10 steps behind. And so you committing to something like even a five minute meditation practice a day is you saying, I'm worthy of showing up for myself at least once a day every day. Yeah, because you do. Helps. I mean, the thing about your job is you, you show up for every everybody else mm. on a regular basis, on stage, on screen. I give, I give so much of myself, Chris, <laughs> and, and sometimes there's nothing left. <laughs> nothing left. But you see, now, Kirsty, I don't know what you think about this, but Rob says that I have this impression of him <laughs> as being this sort of perfect human being, and he's really, really not. But I think he really, really is. Can't you sense a certain stillness about Rob? Yes. Or is that a dullness? <laughs> sometimes, Chris, stillness. <laughs> Can just be. There's not a lot going on. No, I no, think it's I a think presence. You, I feel like you really have a sense of who so you are, I. I and when you know nice. who you Thank are, you. I feel safe. I feel Ex better exactly. around you. I feel yes. happier around you. I feel very at ease around. Well, you. I always feel nice around you because I sense that you feel that about me. So <laughs> isn't that? Isn't, no, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, that's not a funny line. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You know, it's funny. I, well, it is funny. It was unintentionally funny, but but I, I, gen I genuinely feel that. Um, if you just tuned in, um, we're talking about my innate stillness. We are. Yeah. Which you're renowned for. And it's on most of your posters. 
one of the stillest acts I've ever seen. Yes. The Daily Telegraph. In eight live. In eight, in nine, in ten. In eight I counties. Mean, no. in, in eight counties, you can go and see him on tour. Um, or in eight counties, you can't see him. But because but he's being very still in one county, so you, you can't get. Kirsty, thanks for being here this oh, weekend. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for what having me. What are you up me. to? What are you up to? Tell us. I'm going to be doing the Hay Bale with you. Yep. We're back for the Hay Bale Health Hour. I'm going to be doing some talks on kind of spirituality and how we can really get to know ourselves in the same way that this man does. Um, yeah, I've got two workshops both days, which is really exciting. All right, awesome. Let's hear it for Kirsty. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.